Welcome to Frame of Reference, informed, intelligent conversations about the issues and challenges facing everyone in today's world. In-depth interviews with Sauk County's leaders and professionals to help you expand and inform your frame of reference. Brought to you by the Max FM Digital Network. Now here's your host, Raul Labresh. Welcome back to another edition of Frame of Reference. I'm Raul Labresh, and you're not. Just uh, I'm going to keep stealing that from Chevy Chase for a while until somebody writes and says, "Stop it!" So because it's fun. Anyways, and it reminds me of a simpler time in my life. My guest this week, last week, next week is uh, a, a man who is well known within the community. In fact, we were just talking about him being present at an event that's one of the largest events our community has, which is a, a football game here in town. Sockbury um, was playing Mount Horeb's uh, team last Friday. We won't talk about the score. We're going to move right past that. So, But uh, it is none other than Jeff Wright, our school superintendent. Jeff, thanks again for joining me. Uh, of course. And not going anywhere in between the recording of these two different episodes. So, um, you know, I was thinking I, we had some time as we were responding to some things in between the episode um, to think about this. And I, I thought, you know what? Let's just do one favorite thing to start off this episode. Because with our new framework, we're just doing no break in between. Uh, just a one shot, 25 minutes or so. My question this time is, you mentioned in the first episode that you wanted to play guitar. So my experience with playing guitar is we all had a favorite song that we started out with. For my generation, it was Stairway to Heaven. So if you couldn't play Stairway to Heaven, you weren't serious about wanting to learn guitar. And even if you weren't serious about it, but you learned how to play Stairway to Heaven, you were on your way. Right, because you can at least play that at whatever gathering it was. So my question is, do you have a favorite song that you would want to learn and be able to play as quickly as possible once you start playing that guitar? Well, when we talked last week, like last episode, I talked about wanting to do this for kindergartners and first graders. Sure. So it would probably not be Stairway to Heaven. <laughs> uh, I would learn that this this may require some listeners to go onto the internet and find out who these people are. Uh, okay. The Okie Dokie Brothers. Okie Dokie The Okie Dokie Brothers uh, have, they're just a great little group, but they sing children uh, children's songs, but songs that have a melody and a sound that adults like. Okay. Uh, so the, the lyrics are goofy and fun for kids, but the music itself sounds like a good sort of folk uh, bluegrass type sound. Sure. Sure. And... I love singing along with those songs with my own kids, especially when they're younger. And I think that they would be very popular if I could just get the guitar right uh, to walk into my audience of kindergartners. So I would think, given its national prominence, that there'd be okie dokie charts out there, right? That you well, I have could, no doubt. So, yes. Yeah, you could just grab a hold of those quickly and learn the simple C, D, E, F, whatever chords that are, might be in them. Excellent. The okie dokie brothers. You heard it here first on Frame of Reference. I doubt that there's any other podcast in the area that's talking about the okie dokie brothers. Oh, so, but I'm sure now it's just going to take yeah, off like yeah. wild Thank, Thanks for get, getting us on the, the yeah. edge, the cutting edge yeah. of children's music today. <laughs> <laughs> so Glad I could help. Oh, no. Uh, so last episode, we talked quite a bit about um, the mental health challenges that school districts face and that kids face. Um, one, I, I, just to carry that conversation one step further, maybe... Uh, Maybe the most difficult part in my mind is the 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 whole be kind movement and how that was a, a result of 
um, a particular suicide in our area. And there had been a number of them during COVID, right? Um, uh, I'm wanting to say there were like three different kids during that spectrum of the pandemic where, and we alluded to that, that some COVID really changed a lot of the support structure that kids had and the normalcy of their life. Um, Is that, uh, how, how big of a deal is that? I mean, should we anyone that's a parent that's listening, should they, do they need to be concerned about that being a very real possibility? Um, or is it, is it unfortunate, but it's still a rare enough thing that, I don't know. You know, it's one, it's one of those things where it once is too many times probably. Right. So, and, but I, I worry sometimes that we do, we have a, a, the event, really charges us up for a while and then it kind of send you know mellows out again and we stop worrying about it. So I'm looking for is there that regulator that we should be using to say the problem's always going to be here. It just is. So this is what we need to do to regulate it. Well, I think your statement that like in one one is too many and that it's it's incredibly tragic not only for an individual family but for a community anytime that someone takes his or her life through suicide. And we talked last episode about uh, the frequency of suicide in some parts of our agricultural community. Um, this this is certainly something that is commonplace and too commonplace across Wisconsin right now. Mm-hmm. And it so I, I think that talking about it is really important and acknowledging that this is a reality in our community and across the state. And making it okay to talk about mental health, Mm -hmm. uh, reminding each other how important it is to stay connected to our kids, to watch what's going on in their lives, to watch what's going on online, both online in their lives and in person in their lives. Um, But just, yeah, it's it's not something we can afford to move on from. That we, we can't say, well, this is something that was a few months ago and, and now we're not talking about it anymore. That mm-hmm. We have to continue to talk about it and normalize conversations about mental wellness and health so that when people have mental health problems or they're struggling with something, that they already know that people are willing to talk about it with them sure. and try to get them help instead of making a very difficult time even more isolating. Uh, so... How are we educating kids to recognize that it's okay to talk? What are there fun, <clears throat> fundamental principles there that help to kind of move the bias away from ah get over it to no don't get over it go through it. Well, last time we were together, we talked about mental health first aid training for right. adults who have young people in their lives. Right. Uh, we are also, as a district, studying two programs that we hope to launch in either the late fall or early winter. Um, one is a peer mental health first aid. And in that case, it's designed for students in 10th to, through 12th grade. Okay. <clears throat> and it is a mental health first aid training that's specific to peers, supporting peers. And then we're, we're also looking at a program called Sources of Strength, And in that case, we can go all the way through middle school and high school, and we would train a significant number of adults and a percentage of the student body to serve as um, go-to people, leaders, mental health trained individuals in the school community 
that they would be trained in a, in a more significant training, but then also would have recurring training to make sure that they felt good about where they were. Okay. And the goal of that is peer-to-peer support. And so that it's, we, we know that there are, there are kids who will be much more comfortable going to a, a peer than going to a parent sure. or going to a teacher. Sure. And so we need to make sure that we've empowered our own kids with the knowledge and the resources so that they can help each other when they identify that someone has either suicide ideation, a mental health uh, struggle, or substance abuse struggle. Sure. And so it, it's my anticipation that we're going to go forward with with a blend of both, um, that we, we can't assume that that one size fits all mm-hmm. or that, that one... Uh, one solution is going to fit every symptom. Like we're going to have to find a mix of things to Just make sure. Just take aspirin for it. You'll be fine. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, right. it, it's, yeah, a single aspirin is not going to work for every injury. Mm-hmm. And a single solution to empowering kids to watch over and, and watch each and help each other, mm-hmm. uh, it, one solution is not going to work. And so we're, we've got some dates already scheduled um, as potential dates in November and December for one of those trainings and working with another group to try to bring it in as well. Okay. Um, before the holidays that we have enough students trained that we feel that we're, again, we're teaching them, we're empowering them to be part of this at the same time that we're offering these classes to families and adults in the community. Okay. So it's one of the things I have thought about for a while, um, and I, I see it as... Um, perhaps a root cause of a lot of the divisionism um, that we see, the polarization that we see today in our world, in our nation, a lot of times too, um, is the, I don't know if it's inability or unwillingness to adapt and and, uh, filter information that's presented to us through a process of critical thinking, of critical analysis. Um, that ana- uh, enables us and, and builds in us the desire to challenge our own biases, right? To say, you know, I, I like this guy's way of talking or I like this person's point of view. I'm going to read more about them. And at some point, though, it strikes me that I was taught, at least through probably through the arts more than anything, that you also need to find out about somebody that really doesn't agree with that guy and find out why you know, what are their points of view so that you can somewhere between the middle usually find out, you know, well, what makes sense for me, right? Is that something that the schools can and should be teaching? It's Because it strikes me that that's a challenge for our society and for our schools in general is to teach critical thinking. Um, you know, maybe right along there with problem solving that, you know, we talked mm-hmm. about those classes. Are we teaching critical thinking? Can we teach? And, wh- and what do we do with kids that don't want to learn critical thinking, that just I, I'm happy with my biases the way they are. Don't bother me about that, you know, kind of thing. Is that a reasonable question? <laughs> oh, I, it is. It's a great question, and and I do think that we have a responsibility to help students figure out how to digest a variety of sources of information and come to conclusions that will help inform their lives and that. Uh, Students in their pockets in a cell phone have access to endless news sources, mm-hmm. endless information sources, um, while students of the past may have gone to the set of encyclopedias in the library. I have way more information in my cell phone than those encyclopedias could ever carry. Mm-hmm. Um, but those encyclopedias most likely had a, a process 
for publication that required a lot of fact-checking and Mm cross-checking. And you and I both could create information online right now during this program um, that was chock-full of lies, Mm -hmm. and no one would necessarily take that down or challenge it. And so whether we're adult consumers of information or child and student-aged consumers of information, I do think we have a responsibility to help them digest information in a way that is productive and helps inform their points of view. Um, One of the ways that we do this at the high school, uh, we do offer a course called Legislative Semester that is a semester-long course where they become a legislative branch of government. Hmm. And watching the students present their arguments and, and debate in the form of an assembly or a house sure. of representatives is always one of my favorite things to go and watch. Uh, I think that our elected officials should all come and watch how these high school students debate some of the same issues <laughs> and that it's not just about quick taglines or uh, shots at the other side. Sure. It's, they're they're they're, it's, they're really informed debates, and and I've talked to students about that. They may have had one opinion going in, and they may leave with the same opinion being their main opinion, but they understand the other opinions so much more. Sure, and it actually strengthens their point of view. Right. There are obviously other other times students went in with an opinion, researched it, heard other points of view, and changed their mind. Right. Um, yeah. But that practice of Like, how do I have a healthy discussion with someone who has a viewpoint that's different than mine? That's really important for them to practice at this age. So they're able to do it in the workforce, whether it's going to a boss and saying, you know what? I know the company's done it this way for a long time, but I found a way that's more efficient. Would you hear me out? Right. (laughs) Um, Or having a political discussion that how do we practice those so that they know how to get information, present it well, look at contrasting points of view, and and hopefully then both people in the discussion come out stronger and better for it, right. even if they don't agree at the end on one perspective being right. Well, it's difficult. I think of growing up and we we were always – there was a, a, a kind of a well-known maxim that everybody practiced, I think, na- nationally, is when you get together, don't talk about religion or politics. You just – family get-togethers, you don't talk about religion or politics. And I thought – as I've gotten older, I thought those are the most important things to talk about for us. I mean, we really, we needed to be able to explore some of that and talk about the challenges within, you know, well, do we really think we have the corner on the market of religious truth here? You know, do we, are we practicing it the way that we should be? You know, all of those things that would have been difficult. I don't, I don't argue they wouldn't have been challenging discussions, but Mm -hmm. we needed to have them. Do you think that process is, uh, helpful in getting us towards the point of saying, look, there can't be things that we can't discuss. There can't be things that we can't discuss civilly. There can't be things that we can't understand. There's a solution and maybe it's not one solution. Maybe it's not a, a series of solutions. Um, and do that with kindness, with respect. Are, are we able to teach that in schools too? Or is that something you got to learn at home or you're not going to learn it? Oh, I hope we can teach it, but I also hope we can model it. And I I look back at the last two years as a community and how we had to make decisions about navigating the COVID pandemic. And we as a school district decided very early on that we wanted students in our buildings. And I know we've talked before how we had students return to in-person summer school in July, uh, earlier than any other district in our region, 
Um, in part because of that belief that students needed to be with each other and with our teachers in person. Sure. But how we are going to do that, there were a lot of disagreements. And I mean, I, there are people in this community on all places in the spectrum and their perspective on what we should be doing for kids to none of them in school, to school every day, mask debates. And what I, I hope we modeled for our kids is that we heard all points of view that we tried to do our best we possibly could to gather reliable sources of information about what was happening in schools around the world, mm-hmm. what practices we could incorporate to keep kids safe and keep our schools open, and that we found some Sauk Prairie-specific solutions to, to manage. And there were a few times I think we found a compromise that other districts didn't, and mm-hmm. nothing against them. Um, some of them in our area were under public health countywide mandates, and they didn't have the opportunity sure. to make unique decisions as a district. We did. And, and I hope that as our students saw us grapple with these difficult decisions, that they saw us do it in a way that was civilized and hmm. that we didn't go in saying this is the only answer and I'm not, I'm not leaving happy unless I get exactly in my way. Right. Instead of saying, you know what, there are going to be some compromises we're going to have to make to get through a once-in-a-century sort of pandemic, a massive disruption to our, our life and our public schools, but still navigate it as well as possible. How do you – because you touched on something that I, I am challenged with myself. Um, when you're trying to move forward, and it's it seems to me that there is always someone who is the armchair quarterback, you know, that's saying that won't ever work can't possibly work. And then they wait for it not to work because, you know, they see something or just are aware of something. I don't know. Or just because the law of probability, sometimes things aren't going to work. Right. And then they sit back and say, I told you that wouldn't work. Never contributing an idea that might be better, that might help more. Or if they do contribute an idea, it's one that you know from your own expertise and background that would never work either. So you can't get into an argument. Right. How do you deal with those? How do you keep the progress going with the understanding that, yeah, we had to, this didn't, this wasn't exactly what we wanted. So what are we going to do next? What are you going to do next? Because that's the key to, I think, true problem solving is it's almost a scientific method, right? We, we had a theory. We tried that theory out. Some of it worked. Some of it didn't. We're going to try now changing this parameter and see if that theory holds out or if it's just a bad theory. So isn't it kind of the same thing? And for my team, uh, we decided early on, as I mentioned, that we wanted kids in school Mm -hmm. and that it was our goal and our job to find a way. And that I think that there are armchair quarterbacks both in the spectator group and there can also be armchair quarterbacks who are in leadership positions who are just waiting for somebody else to make a decision and they'll go along with that one. And as a district, uh, we decided that we needed to be the quarterback and that we need, we knew what we thought was best for kids, and we had to find a way to get there. And uh, that, that kids only get one chance to be in fourth grade and only one chance to be in high school. And if that meant that we needed to find a way to make sure we did a concert and therefore we did our, our spring choir concert in an outdoor stadium mm-hmm. with guest artists from other parts of the country, mm-hmm. um, we found a way to do it. Um, we wanted to make sure we continued sports seasons, and we did. And... Um, I just that, yeah, there are people who are obviously going to throw 
criticism our direction, but we really tried to stay focused that we cannot wait for somebody else to lead. We can't wait for somebody else to make the decisions for our school district. Hmm. Um, a little bit of impatience can go, can be a good thing mm-hmm. when you're trying to do what's right for the community and what's right for the kids. And so I think in, in many ways, our community benefited from a team that, that saw the urgency that was a little impatient sure. and said like, we, we need to be looking for the answers right now and not waiting for the answers to get to us in, by, in, at some unknown future date. Sure. Well, I, I remember reading somewhere, uh, someone commenting that ambiguity is something that the American culture and, and our, our country in general doesn't deal well with. So the ambiguity of, well, we think it might be this, but it might be that too, that that makes people very uncomfortable, that they, they want a decision. So, uh, and yet then, you know, you, if you make the wrong decision, what then, right? Yeah. Um, have, can you look back now at your decisions? Do you see that there were things that you wish you would have done differently? And how do you respond to that then when, you know, if someone, I get questioned by things, usually it's my wife who questions me on things that, did you knew, know that that wasn't going to work? Because <laughs> I knew that wasn't going to work from the beginning. And what did we learn from this, right? Um, do you, is there a similar kind of process you think that, it's happening through because COVID did give us a unique learning lab, right? Uh, if we have it again, what would we do differently? I think not only asking what we do differently, but also asking what did what are we keeping from the disruption? And we've asked our each of the schools has to present to the school board every year. And one of the questions I've asked them to present on this year is, "What is something that you picked up during the pandemic that you're keeping?" Um, okay. And is that that important reflection on? At the time, we made this decision because it was what we felt was necessary, out of necessity in a moment of really unique crisis. Right. But what if that answer actually was better long term? And an example that Craig Trouch at Grand Avenue has used is that we we've historically done these like school supply drop off back to school events where they're open house, everybody can come at any time, and it's just a lot of swirling people. And during COVID, it became an assigned time when you had to come in. And so you had much more like one-on-one time with your new teacher. Hmm. Well, what a benefit that is. Right. You still get everybody in over the same period of time. You just are now asking people to sign up for their window of time instead of accidentally showing up when 11 other families are in the room. Sure. And so like, wh- what are some of those things that we can grab from that time and say, you know, we weren't doing it as well before. Sure. We figured this out out of necessity. Let's keep it. Okay. Um, but there are also things, yes, that I'm sure we look back and say, now that we know everything that we currently know about the pandemic, um, what were overreactions at certain times? I mean, we were we were cleaning off surfaces in the district way too frequently for an airborne virus. <laughs> uh, but it's what we it's what we knew, right? And so when we reopened school. Um, we were sanitizing surfaces throughout every classroom at an unreasonable rate. Sure. Um, when, once we learned that it was unnecessary, we scaled back on that. We sure. still make sure that we continue to clean high-touch surfaces like bathroom doorways and sure. I mean, uh, things like that that we always have done. But 
Um, that is one thing that we certainly, we spent more money on cleaner for those surfaces than we needed to and way more time cleaning those surfaces. But that's the same time people were washing their vegetables warmer times and right. uh, washing the bags they came home in. Right. And the cardboard that their mail came in or boxes came in. Right? Yeah. So all of that good stuff. Uh, folks, my guests through, through this uh, range of episodes is Jeff Wright, our school superintendent. We're going to take a break from this episode and come back and talk about the challenges that parents face today in our educational community. And hopefully Jeff will have some good insights into uh, the things that he sees uh, parents wrestling with and what school systems can do to help with that process. Because parenting ain't easy. So I often thought that uh, we license people to fish, but we don't license people to parent. And it sure would be nice to not necessarily have to be licensed, but at least to have a little bit better sense of what you're up against as a parent today. So I hope you join us next week when we continue this conversation. Jeff, thanks for being here. Don't go anywhere. Uh, I know you're probably going to have to be on your phone for a little bit here in between, but people out there don't have to even know how long that took. So (laughs) thanks (laughs) Thanks. for being with us here on Frame of Reference and 99.7 Max FM. Digital Network.